Okay, so we're picking up here halfway into class. Um, what Robin just uh, pointed out is this sounds a little bit like the wedding in Cana when Mary says, hey, do something, Jesus. And he says, my time has not yet come. And then he does something, right? He turns water into wine, his first miracle. And so again, we talked about that before. You remember what we said about that before? It was that he, he didn't want to make a big show of it, but only his apostles, only the twelves saw that and recognized it for a miracle, right? Jesse? Yeah, and he could have changed his mind, right? He, did, he certainly didn't go up with them, right? Yep. Okay, good. So the same concept of don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing is 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 echoed here. He went up in secret. He didn't make a big show of going up. He didn't go up publicly. He didn't make a triumphal entry. He went in secret, slipped in the back door, uh, and and did some teaching. Yeah, Mitch. Right. Yeah. Jesus is not pressured by them. Good. Beth. Right. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this idea that what they expected of Jesus was not what he was bringing. He wasn't the king, a pomp and circumstance that they expected uh, but rather, he's going to go in secret right now, right? So I would have, I, I saw exactly like what uh, Chris and then you were saying as well, but I guess what I'm struggling with is, or what I sort of came to was, had he said, yeah, I'm going to go up there, and then he didn't, but now we have a different, now we have a different undertone versus saying, I'm not going to go, and you go up secret. Right, yeah. And and he tells a, a parable about that too, about the two brothers. One of them said, nah, I'm not, I can't go work in the vineyard today, but he goes. And that one is the one that did the right thing. Right, so that's kind of interesting connection there. Okay, um, I hate to, but let's, let's see what Jesus teaches. If you'd stand up, uh, we're going to read through verse 24, starting in verse 14. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, How did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? 
You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. You can be seated. Okay, so uh, what did you notice there? What summarize uh, your thought as you read as we read through that? Yeah, Mitch. I felt like we were missing some of the backstories, or it felt like the group that he was with had one perspective, and Jesus has a different perspective, and he's addressing people that don't have the same perspective that other people are having. Like, I don't know. It was. Yeah. There's a lot of divisions. There are a lot of factions here. Uh, people believing different things about Jesus. And and Jesus is speaking in a way to try and, and correct some of those perspectives and reorient them to truth. Good. What else? Yeah, Bob. Well, the first marvel that is wisdom, you know, he, he was not an educated man, you know. Right. Where's his credentials? He doesn't have any. So how does he know all this? Right. Yeah, so he, he seems to be speaking with knowledge and learning without having been taught, right? Yeah, right. Right. Good. So while others study under a certain rabbi like Gamaliel, uh, Paul studied under him. Jesus says, "I got my knowledge from the ultimate rabbi, from my Father, the one who sent me." Right. Good. What else about his teaching did you notice? Roy? I was going to say that it's a lesson here for us too. If our faith is based on what other men have told us and not what God's word actually says, we can do the same thing they did. Good, good. Yeah, so they have to recognize that all of their teachings, all of their learning from rabbis was from a rabbi, not from the ultimate source, right? Um, so that teaching could be, uh, could be faulty, right? Good. Yeah. It seems like um, he's saying when you are hearing teaching, you have to examine the heart of the one who's teaching, and you have to examine your own heart as to what people are receiving. You can examine the heart of the one who's teaching by by understanding what his motivation is, who's glory and then you can examine your own heart. 
Yeah, let me, let me pick up there. I think I know where you're headed with that. So um, there, there are two criteria that he gives for judging, right? Judging correctly. Judge the motives of the person. Are they seeking their own glory or are they seeking the glory of the one that sent them? And number two, judge your motives. What are your motives? Uh, let me ask this question. Who will find out whether Jesus' teaching comes from God? Who, who does Jesus say will find out whether his teaching is from God? Bob? Well, not to use the words here, but those who hunger and thirst. Okay, good. Those who hunger and thirst. And these are the ones that are actually looking to see the will of God. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So th- that stood out to me. Um, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God. So it's not, it's not just examine me, examine my words, but have you actually chosen to do the will of God? That is the problem here. Not his signs, not his teachings. None of that is the problem. The problem is, have you actually chosen to do God's will? Yeah, boy. I think it's interesting how he keeps bringing them back to the real subject. They, they keep uh, heading in yeah. the direction, and he keeps bringing them back to think about things that they need to think about. Good, good. Yeah, Jesus keeps redirecting them back to the hard issues. Good. Yeah, Stephanie. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. They are focused on that, but none of them is actually keeping the law of Moses. That is a hard statement. Would you guys have the boldness to say that? Man, I don't know if I would have that much courage to, to lay down some kind of truth bomb like that. Bob? It was mentioned before that we're not getting all the details of what's happening right prior to this statement, but we're given kind of a hint or has, and it's like recorded in other gospels. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he ends up talking about healing on the Sabbath, which was one of the things that Jews really had a problem with. So he, he takes this moment to point back and says, You don't have a problem with doing this on the Sabbath. And this is even better. But you have a problem with that. You're not doing the will of God in all this. You're not even obeying the law. Right, right, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're not interested in doing the will of God. They're not even really interested in obeying the law. Okay. Um, I saw a hand. Yeah, John. Yes. 
seems to be very important because it seems like that he goes and as opposed to performing practice works, he just gives a speech about how specifically his authority is not his own but from God. And it seems like he doesn't, from what I can tell, it seems like he's not like, hey, can I get on the official list of speakers for the Feast of Booze? It's just like, yes, go in there and start speaking. Right? And so this this whole thing is specifically about the timing of this and about the specific Right, yeah. In his own way. Yeah, good, good. Um, so, um, I, I don't know if you guys, um, and, and I hesitate to bring this up because I, I don't want to um, fully endorse this, but um, if you if you have watched any parts of the Chosen um, series, there, uh, some, one thing that they depicted was that it almost seemed like there were there were rabbis on lots of corners teaching and like it was almost a little bit of a competition like here's this guy and he's just in the middle of or he's just on the corner in this in these streets and he's teaching and some people have stopped to listen to what he has to say here's this guy over here he stopped to listen to what he has to say and almost like there's in this city and around the temple there there are plenty of teachers you could listen to and you would see why if you're over here trying to give the best sermon and get all the followers and all the glory, and then this guy over here pops up and he's doing that and he's saying things not, well, Rabbi, this said this about this law, so you should, you should better not do this with your palate on, on the Sabbath. And, and then this guy pops up and everybody's going over to listen to him and marveling at his teaching, right? So Jesus says, um, I did one miracle. So I, I'm I'm going to preempt Chris on this, right? This I was thinking about this like this is the Chris question right here. Jesus, Jesus said he did one miracle. What what one miracle? He's done several miracles, right? What what's he talking about here? Bob. Okay. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah, and what we read about it here at the pool in chapter five, uh, the healing at the pool. Um, if if that's a possibility, um, any other thoughts on that? Is there, uh, that 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 seems plausible to me. Um, so so here is. Um, uh, this is actually a picture of a little of a model, and we'll see. And I've got another one, but um, here it's got the Temple Mount, um, and you know, here's where Jesus would have been crucified. Uh, here's the Eastern Wall. Right here is Bethesda, and if we zoom in on that again, this is just a model. You can see people up here uh, looking down into this little model, and they they've got this. Here's the Temple Mount right here. Here's the Temple, and just right down here. They're, they're saying is where maybe this, these pools were, um, with the, the covered porticos, uh, a northern and southern pool. Um, if that was, if they was that close to 
the temple in the city and he performed that miracle, it it would have been there. And if you've got it would have been um, known to, to everybody around the temple. Right. That would have that news would have spread fast, especially when they saw the guy carrying his mat. And maybe some of those rabbis on the corners are like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're carrying a mat. You can't do that. I would just, did you hear my sermon yesterday? I said, no mats t- today. Um, you can't do that. So they're pointing that out. And so, yeah, I think, and he says, you would circumcise on the eighth day. Is that, you've made that exception, but I can't heal a whole man. Um, Uh, other thoughts? Anything else? In, yeah, Mitch. They were not struggling with the fact that he healed. <laughs> that he healed. <laughs> they were struggling with the fact that he told the man to pick up his power and go home. Right. Yeah. That Have you guys seen the... That I'm the son of God. Yes, yes. Have you seen the commercial with the cat, the GMC commercial? The cat is doing all these amazing things. Like, it's fetching. This cat's like... I, I mean, he's doing all of these amazing things. And this guy's more excited about his tailgate, his new tailgate, right, Ryan? On his on his truck. And, and he's like, who cares about this stupid cat? And the cat's like saving people's lives. And he's, this guy's more interested in his new tailgate and how it folds down. Um, and it's almost like, oh, he, he healed. But he, he, he told that guy to take his mat, right? Pick up his mat. Jesse? Mm-hmm. Speaking of, he must be, his, his source must be bad, right? <clears throat> what do they say when he accuses them of something? Everybody seems to know that they're trying to kill him. How do they re- respond? Yeah, what, what are you demon possessed? Who's trying to kill you? They're trying to make him look foolish, right? With something that the whole crowds are whispering about. Right. Anything else? Um, yeah, Bob. Just that statement. Right. Yep. Okay. Let's read the next section. If you would stand, um, we'll read uh, to verse forty-four, twenty-five through forty-four. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask. Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he's the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he's from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. 
At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I'm with you only for a short time. And then I am going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where's this man intending to go that we can't find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. You can be seated. Okay, so what did you notice there? Mitch, right away. Good. I find it interesting that he's teaching about future things in that moment. Uh, And I don't know if he expects them to realize that he's talking about future events when the Spirit will come. But that's what John tells us is that he was free from the Right. Um, I just find that interesting. Yeah. And, And constantly Jesus has referred to his death throughout this gospel. I, um, I, I, for, for a while I thought, does he know, does he say this in every single chapter? Um, not the chapter divisions are divine, but, um, he is constantly referring to things to come here, not only his death, but, uh, the spirit. Good. What else did you notice, Carrie? Okay. Right, yeah. So Carrie's sympathizing with the people questioning, wait, isn't this guy from Galilee the Messiah? We know where the Messiah comes from, and it's not Galilee. Um, Can we believe in him? And I think that's why it's really important to notice anyone who has decided to do God's will will figure out if Jesus, where he came from. Right? I think that's why it's really important to purpose that above 
I'm only going to accept what the rabbis say, or I'm only going to accept what I already thought was the truth. Right. There, there's effort. There's um, a yearning, a thirsting, a hungering uh, that reco- that pushes you to to knock so that the door will be open. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah, the work of humbling yourself and lowering yourself and recognizing you you don't have all truth, right? That's not much work. That's it's a it's a heroic feat in some in some ways, but at the at the same time, we don't have to um yeah, do some major um Undertaking in order to understand Jesus and know Him. Right. Yeah. So they they were they were relying on what they thought they knew about Jesus. They didn't even know the truth. They didn't know the whole story. Bob. So many times in that section, it says, we know, we know, we know. No, they didn't. Right. Right. If you find yourself saying, I know, be careful. Right? You might not know. Yeah, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And uh, Messiah meaning the anointed king of the world, right? And are are we purposing to do, to submit to the king, right? Is, is that what we have purpose to do? It's not enough just to know, does he check off all from Bethlehem? did this he did that no 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 turn it back on yourself am i submitting to the king is he my messiah um yeah bob just just a side note 
you know, we'll, we'll get to John 9 here in a couple chapters. And yep. We'll see the blind man. Yes. And he wouldn't check any boxes. Right. He just experienced Jesus in, in the way Jesus healed him and said what he said to, to the people that were attacking him. Uh, if you don't know who this is, I don't know what to Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are people, there are stories where people experienced Jesus for who he was. Um, let me wrap up with this. And um, I want you to take this with, with uh, a little grain of salt. But um, so this is during the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Hebrew word, if you talk to a Jew, they won't call it Feast of Tabernacles. They'll call it Sukkot. Um, and what they'll do is they'll, they'll build, they'll construct some little hut, um, a booth, um, like this. And, uh, they'll, they'll sit in there, they'll eat, they'll pray, maybe even sleep all week in this little hut. Um, and it is a joyous thing. Like I said, rabbi said, if you haven't experienced this, you don't know true joy. Um, so I have a friend and they, uh, that is an Orthodox Jew and he talks about how they, they had to be outside all week in their little hut for the, for Sukkot. Um, uh, here's one from I think they got that from Amazon. Google's celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, but here's maybe what it actually looked like in the city. All these little huts that were constructed, right? Um, and the thing is, this idea of Sukkot goes way back and has so much significance and meaning. It starts out in Genesis 33. Jacob builds some of these little huts for his animals. And he names the place Sukkot, um, which is plural. One of them is a Sukkah. Uh, many of them are Sukkot. So the Feast of the Sukkot, they're there are these huts everywhere, right? So you start out there. Then in Exodus, when the people come out of Egypt, it is at Sukkot that God begins to dwell with the people in a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. Okay. Um, then it's on the, during the Feast of Tabernacles that Solomon consecrates the temple. The glory of the Lord fills the temple on that feast. Right. And then at some point in time, there are all these traditions that start. Um, one of them is a tradition where they take a golden goblet. They go down to a pool and they fill it up and they march up to the temple and they pour this water out. If you remember, Josiah talked about this um, from the prophets. Uh, and I think it's, is it Ezekiel or Jeremiah? I always get those confused. They pour out the water and it becomes a stream that becomes a river that becomes a flood that overflows and goes into the Dead Sea and then brings life to everything, right? So here's Jesus. Uh, and what they would do is they would go down, they would fill up this um, pitcher of water that is supposed to signify salvation being poured out. On Israel, And they would come up and they would pour out this trickle of water. Imagine how much that would be. Not much. They do that every day. And on the eighth day, they would do it, but they wouldn't pour out the water because salvation had not yet come. The Messiah had not yet come. And Jesus says, anyone who's thirsty, come to me for and drink. Whoever believes in me. The scripture has said rivers of living water 
will flow from within them. Now, some people say that if you calculate when Elizabeth was pregnant, when Mary was expecting, and when Jesus would have been born, it could have been on the Feast of Tabernacles. And the tabernacle is always associated with the presence of God. In fact, John said in chapter 1, uh, that flesh, uh, that uh, word became flesh and tabernacled among us. It dwelt among us. Right? So here, Jesus, another of their traditions that we'll see was they would take a, a oil and they would put oil on big vats at each corner of the temple. And they would light the lamps in the evening and let them burn. And these big vats of oil would be smoking. And this big, huge cloud would be billowing. And in, at night, the fire would light up the city. And next week, or on Wednesday, we'll see Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the living water. So, um, I think this momentous event, we need to set it, put it in its setting. And it's just a powerful thing that doesn't do a 10th of, of, um, what I think is there, but, uh, thank you for your attention and for your comments. Uh, we'll, we'll finish up chapter seven, read the last little bit there and go into chapter eight. Um, I want you to read chapter eight, um, as many times as you can. But take a minute and think about the first few verses, whether they should be in your Bible. Okay? So, I want to hear your thoughts. Thank you.